Hello and welcome to a new episode of Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott Orr, where we talk about the art and culture of running an independent record label. Thank you so much for listening to all of these episodes. And we're back with another interview episode. And today I'm speaking with Nick, one of the co-founders of Moderna Records. And yes, we tackle that unfortunate um, name that uh, just so happened to also be a drug company that would come up many years after the, they've been in existence. And this is actually one of my favorite record labels. And I gush all, uh, all over this episode, so I apologize for that. Um, but I just love uh, the stuff they put out. And I was listening to their latest release just this morning. Uh, I, I adore this record label. And, and they are based out of Montreal, so they're Canadian, so that really helps as well. They put together such beautiful packages and they have such incredible artwork work and their neoclassical instrumental stuff is just out of this world and so i really hope you enjoy this interview and make sure you check out modernarecords.com also please head over to our website you know i will say um i've been receiving a lot of different emails and I, what i'm doing is i'm trying to put together some new episodes that uh, address some of the things that we uh that i hear from you in the emails and you can always email me podcast at otherrecordlabels.com we have some incredible resources coming up in the next couple of weeks and months. We have some incredible uh, episodes where we tackle some of the things that have been of concern to you. For example, how do you get an artist to sign to your label? If you have uh, the imposter syndrome, if you are new, if you're just starting a label, uh, uh, how do you justify uh, taking a cut from a band if you're brand new? So we tackle all of that in the next couple of weeks. I'm really excited to get into that. In the meantime, go to otherrecordlabels.com where you can get access to all of our resources. And, and like I've mentioned before, I constantly am updating that site to make sure that it's organized and you can now search by topic. And so head to otherrecordlabels.com. I, you know, here I'm a huge fan of the label. I'm a huge fan of this genre. Let's dive in. I, 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 I very much, you know, I very much like, um, I love this genre and I'm so excited to talk to you today because I, I really want to kind of dig into this and what it means to be a label uh, in doing this type of music and and very much like you know uh, electronic music and dance music it's so nuanced and really hard to put a label on calling it instrumental is a good starting point but how do you classify the genre of music that you do it, it's it it's a little bit more evolved than just classical music yeah, for sure. Uh, it's really funny because across uh, geography and across platforms, there are probably like six different labels people use for us. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> the I'd say like our name actually stems from uh, people were calling it modern classical in uh, in Europe. Actually. Okay. Okay. And so I think I think that's that's where my business partner kind of came with up with that name. In the U.S., people call it neoclassical. Right. Sure. But that neoclassical has its own history as well, which is actually pretty different than what we're doing. Okay. Um, people also use the word minimalism, which I think we have a lot of minimal aspects to our music, but it does also doesn't fit into the minimalism of you know the '60s and '70s. Right. Right. And, right. and things of the sort. So yeah, I mean we. I tend to tell people now we're like melodic, instrumental, minimal, <laughs> minimalist music. If, um, okay. With the emphasis on melody, I guess. Sorry, I did. I lost you a little bit. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep it. If I lose you, I, I, I'll I'll try not to hang out on it too much, just because I know we're recording your end. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I lo I've been losing you here and there too <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> well, it's as to be ex expected. You're you're um, a world away. Um, yeah. So, um, 
this I have to ask you this question. Our our folks are going to want me to ask, and I know you're you're probably yeah. annoyed by this, but um, what was it like that moment? What was going through your mind when a company called Moderna started working on the vaccine? Like, what happened? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what was happening there in your mind? <laughs> yeah, that's a great uh, question. Uh, what's funny actually is my dad first pointed it out to me. Oh, okay, uh, and, and said like. Hey, look! There's this company, uh, and hilariously, like Dolly Parton has put money into it. You know, so there's yeah. these funny yeah. <laughs> uh, things. Uh, and I was like, okay, that's interesting. I mean, I, I guess we're gonna go down in SEO. You know, now that's right, um, right. And then the person distributing our music at the time wrote me. He's he was in Germany and wrote me to say, like, you guys should capitalize on the you know, like, <laughs> yeah uh, that kind of thing. And we have mostly just thought that it's funny. I guess like we have we. I would say we've gotten two dozen emails from people over the last year, you know, pointing at it and making a joke about it. And okay, um, <laughs> but it's it's kind of this weird thing now where uh, we can tell people like Moderna, like the vaccine, like the vaccine, which is yeah, really weird. But yeah, yeah we're just kind of trudging along, and I mean, we've had our name for six or seven years. So well, I know, and, and actually, yeah. <laughs> it probably took me about like six months of hearing about the vaccine to to not associate it with you because as soon as I heard it, I was more familiar with your label than the vaccine. And so right. I had a closer association with you guys uh, for a oh, while. Cool. But <laughs> um, Yeah, it's now such a big word, obviously. Well, and at least vaccine. it's it's um, associated with the good side of the pandemic as opposed to c- Corona beer uh, it took a real hit in the beginning. Right. So Yeah, yeah, that's true. And actually... Um, this is uh, maybe a segue. I mean, it might be something we talk about later too. But pandemic-related um, and talking about the good side of the pandemic is that one of my biggest joys working on the label through the pandemic has been seeing and talking to people about how this kind of music calms them and brings them some peace. Interesting. Uh, so it's actually brought a different appreciation to me for the music that that we're working on, and that I I'm seeing it through a different light now. Yeah, and, and are you okay with, um, you know, I, I'm going to ask, you know, it's ironic, I, I do, I do want to touch on this subject of, of, of how some of your audience may be passive listeners, and are, are, are you okay with your, your music and your artist's music and, and your art sometimes being a utility more than, than being art for people? Yeah, I mean, that's a, a great question. Um, it's, it's actually a very strange one, too, because we... We built our label a couple years before Spotify playlisting like really, really took off. Mm-hmm. And of course, like all the all the other services as well that do the same thing. And what's really strange is that we built up this really, really dedicated fan base that we still connect with. Okay. And so we very strangely, and we were pretty anti-playlisting at that point in time. Like we talked about it a lot about how we actually didn't want to be making music for that. Sure. Um, and then, of course, like things kind of worked out for some of our artists, and we've started to feature on those things. And so, um, I would say that we still very intentionally choose music that sits on its own and that people that's really well made and that people are going to care for. And then it's kind of a bonus for us if it does get um, this passive listening. And we try to think of it as hopefully that's just like a second function of it, and that's something that people can find joy in like we're aware that people you know might listen to it for sleep or for yeah you know over a over a studying or something like that right um but we think of it as it's an extra function and that some people are finding it that way and for sure a lot of people are finding it that way now um but 
Yeah, I guess there's that utilitarian side of it that music can be a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, that's a good approach. And I've always, and I and I know I've seen you guys, you, you've had, I, I think it, it, it appears that you've had some great success with playlists and and Spotify has, has, has picked a lot of your guys. And, and that's fantastic. I always see that, uh, those little blessings as a way to enable pressing vinyl or doing something for our active listeners. So I, I try not to, to, you know, when I think of the passive listeners, I try not to be patronizing towards them because I feel like their passivity funds are more active listeners because we may not be able to afford to do vinyl had it not been for a playlist or whatnot. That's my, my view. Yeah, and I missed probably the first two thirds of what you said. Um, oh, did you? <laughs> no, no, that's okay. Um, let me rephrase it. Um, I, I before the satellite drifts out of range again. Um, I, I think my question about passive listeners and active listeners is that the pass the way I view it personally is that passive listeners um, can enable us to do things like vinyl and some of the the projects that we do that are more enjoyed by our active listeners um, that maybe we wouldn't have been able to do had it not been for a playlist. Yeah. Is that true yeah. for you guys? I think, yeah, I think that's a good way of looking at it. Um, and I think we're finding in the last year or two a bit of a bridge between those. Um, I'd say like 2018, 19, it became a lot of listeners' goals was to hit these playlists. Yeah. Or sorry, a lot of artists' goals. Um, and just because they're seeing like their peers and how many streams they're getting and things of the sort. Um, and I think there's a lot more reality now. Like the market's become quite saturated um, for playlisting, um, even more so than before. And I think there is more of a, a thought of, yeah, what can this help me do? And some artists um, are aware of the fact that, you know, once your track comes off a playlist, you don't have like that following uh, that someone else may have. And so, kind of starting to see it as that kind of bonus of, yeah, it can help me fund a, a tour or a live show or a, you know, a vinyl or a, a video or something of the sort and, or just fund my music making. What, what has streaming done for instrumental music um, outside of playlists? B because um, I personally credit the accessibility of streaming as a key factor in, in my ability as a music fan to discover new genres because it gives you that time to listen to an entire catalog and, and really immerse yourself in a genre or in an artist, uh, what role does, you know, outside of, of, of playlisting, have you noticed that that um, kind of smorgasbord of streaming has helped at all? Yeah, that's a, a good question. Um, and I'm, my mind is going into a few different places. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say, whether it's passive or active listening, like, I do think that people have access to a lot more music now. And I heard you reference on a previous episode, I'm not even sure which one at this point, but um, that, yeah, like there used to be kind of a budget of, I, I also, uh, you know, would save up money and go yeah. buy like one record a month or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and when I really started diving into more stuff was when I was at music school and there were like libraries that I could sure. borrow from, you know? And so I feel like streaming has kind of done that where instead of it being like a, something that only specific people can access these catalogs, uh, whether it's financially, like someone who has a lot of money, or whether it's through you know, some kind of program or something. Um, so I do think that people are listening to a lot more music, and I think genres are, in a sense, blending a lot. Like I'm seeing a lot of pop musicians try to do more instrumental stuff. I'm seeing instrumental musicians try to do more pop-oriented stuff. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so I, 
I think it's also actively creating a new uh, sound world where people are trying different things as well as artists. Mm. Yeah, and and I, and I think I think you're you're probably right, and, I, and we've seen, like you said, we've seen some, uh, you know, um, songwriters who will dabble in ambient or or instrumental music, and I feel like you know, kind of the barriers that have been brought down when it comes to distributing music, that you could do a digital only release, uh, and then home recording that's happening. It is there is that freedom to say, in my off year, I'm going to work on a you know trying to be creative a different way through instrumental music. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, totally. And we actually just put out uh, a singer-songwriter named Linda Rum from uh, Hamburg, Germany. Mm. Uh, she is mostly known for indie music and is a, you know, has grew up playing organ and piano and it's really neat for her to be able to say like, "Hey, I wrote this piano song like last week and um it's totally different than the other stuff I do. Are you interested in putting it out?" and um it's someone that we may not have discovered otherwise, which is really cool for us as well. Yeah, that's really cool. One of the profound things I've noticed about your label is the the seemingly conscious effort to put a face on the artists and to bring them mm. out as individuals to the forefront, which is generally hard to do with non-vocal music. Is that something intentional for you guys? Yeah, that's really interesting. Um I've never thought of that link of like actually often a face goes with a voice, right? Uh, so that's that's something to think about. Um, yeah, we we see ourselves. I, I have to credit my my business partner, who is also the label founder, uh, Evo. Okay, is I would say like the the reason I joined the team uh, really is he's the world's biggest music fan. He's so <laughs> dedicated. He is so precise in his listening, and he really really cares like about discovering talent. Mm. And our roots as a label were really about discovering people who didn't have anywhere to put their music out and trying to build their profile. So I think it, it's always been super, super artist-focused in that sense, and that he doesn't have his own project, he's not pushing his own music. Like He, right. he cares really deeply about each of the artists that we bring on. Mm. Um, and, and that's something that really attracted me. It was like, oh, this person... He's not in it for himself. He's in it because he literally cares so much about every one of the artists we put forward. And so it, it can be a problem for us at times because we don't have our own quote unquote, like we do have a brand, I think, but we don't, we're not pushing the label, we're pushing the artists that we have. Right. Um, right. And so, yeah, our identity has become tied to all these people and. And we want the best for all of them as well. Well, it's interesting to hear you say that you aren't pushing the the brand of the label because I am a fan of the label. And 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 I get these alerts from Bandcamp every time you release something new. And I can instantly add it to my library because I know that I'm going to like it. So whether or not that's intentional oh, that's cool. from your part, I, from a fan's perspective, um, I, you know, the, the brand is definitely strong. Hmm. Yeah, and I do think um, tied to all that, like we definitely act as curators, and so we we are thinking about about you when we put when we choose someone because we are thinking about the relationships we've built with people, and and in a sense maybe it's just that our our brand is tied to all these individuals as well and all these groups, and um, so yeah, we're we're definitely thinking along a curatorial line as we're putting things together. And do you ever um, feel handcuffed in any way to say I want to try this? this artist, but I'm not sure our audience would appreciate it. Oh, that's a, 
Yeah, we don't feel handcuffed, I would say, but we have definitely put a few things out that people did not respond to. And, <laughs> uh, you know, we put uh, we put out effectively like an indie rock record um, oh. two or three years into the label that was, you know, we thought was quite minimal sounding. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a great record, but it was definitely like too far out of left field for some people. <laughs> Um, and one of the things we think about with active and passive is we do we do try to balance um, like uh, records that are really really for our fans. Like uh, I'd say the stuff that's a little more um, either electronic or pushing pushing genre boundaries a little bit more. We are actually thinking about about our really active fans when we're doing that because um, we know that it's not going to you know it's not going to land all these huge placements, yes. and that's really important for us. So we. Yeah, we're kind of thinking just about balancing um, who's listening to us and and those sorts of things. But um, I, I would say that our tastes guide us more than than anything else, though. We are that's good. That's good. Yeah, we're doing it for ourselves too. I I going back to the the artists and 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 um, giving a face to the artists. I also loved um, uh, the the photos of the artists' workstations that you would share. Their mic'd up piano or their collection of modular synths. A good amount of gear porn, but it also helps the it helps the listener get a visual for how these songs were created and that they were created. They're not just like a software preset. I love that about those photos. Thanks. Yeah, that's um, yeah. We really are trying to bring. I'd say like intimacy is a big part of our label. Like uh, you know, whether it's the close mic piano or whether it's um, just the fact that a lot of our our um, Artists are recording in home studios and bedrooms and things mm. of the sort. Like we're yeah. we're really trying to to create like a direct connection. And so I think seeing that some people are gearheads, like I, I am one. Yes, yeah, same, um, same. <laughs> yeah, I have to I unsubscribe for a little while. Otherwise, I like click through too many things and then have to want to buy something. Oh yeah, totally. That's uh, a thing. And then <laughs> other folks are you know design. I think we have a lot of design fans as sure, well. Sure. So yeah. Just like really beautiful spaces and. Um, and it is interesting, like uh, we're curating the music and we're also curating like we, when we're asking people for photos and stuff, like we give a lot of pointers and a lot of, uh, um, of tips for like what people like to see and how to, um, I would say like most people's photos are very natural in terms of what their setups are, but just uh, ideas of, of types of ways that people like to see, see your setup. And I think that's a way to help people connect, um, yeah, to the, to the intimate sound and also to the intimate space that people are working in. And so you're across the globe from some of these people, I imagine. So you, you're you're kind of art directing these photos and requesting them. Yeah, yeah, totally. We Good do. for you. I mean, that's the interesting thing about I moved to uh, to Whitehorse three and a half years ago now, and uh, we I kind of wondered if it was a good idea moving away from Montreal, but it, like we we do all this from a distance anyway. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. You can be anywhere. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that no, that's really interesting. Um, can you give me a, a backstory of, of the label? Uh, the, I'm kind of curious as to how this all came together. Yeah, so uh, yeah, my business partner, Evelyn Lutzi, who's the founder, was working on some solo piano stuff in, I'd say, 2014, is my guess, from, okay. from our chats, and was starting to connect with people through SoundCloud. And um, we were very, SoundCloud was really important for our first couple of years. Interesting. Um, and yeah, just like meeting people through that and and starting to do some home recordings. And as he was dialoguing with folks, was just realizing that a really big need was a label in the genre. Like a lot of people he was talking to just didn't know how to put their music out. Mm. Um, 
didn't know where to put it. And so, yeah, just decided to to start doing that on his own and um, set up, you know, like, uh, had probably about five or six people he'd put out when I joined the team. Um, and it was, yeah, very uh, album focused also. And so SoundCloud was really important uh, as a connection tool and and also as a place that we were discovering people and putting tracks up. And then the label really uh, has always been very album focused. And so when I joined, he'd put out four records and I was working for a string quartet doing admin and also doing some graphic design. And one of the artists, uh, whose name is Tambour, uh, his new artist name is Simon Leuza, uh, was someone that I was just gigging with in mm. Montreal and, and invited me in uh, to, to just help work on his release effectively, like just help do some PR and sure. stuff. And yeah, we had the three of us had a drink together and uh, by seeing like how passionate Evo was about everyone he's working with, how artist-friendly everything is. Uh, and also just, I, I my training is in experimental music, and so this music was a little foreign to me in a sense. Uh, I was also just kind of curious and thought that this could be music that people really liked listening to, and so on the spot offered to buy into the company. Wow. Uh, which was amazing. Yeah, so that was five, five and a half years ago, and <laughs> To Evo's credit, like the next day, he just—I uh, effectively funded a CD run. Uh, was my uh, way of entering, and uh, <laughs> he gave me all the company passwords the next day. And wow, uh, you know, and we've such a trusting and caring individual, and so it's been really, uh, yeah. So we've been flying the two of us. Uh, that's the summer of 2016. Wow, that's incredible. Let's talk about going back to the genre. Instrumental music falls more into the experimental category than pop or rock category sometimes, which makes it inherently more difficult to promote, from my experience. But we have a lot of of listeners on uh, who are labels on, in, of the show and and that deal in this weird music space. What advice do you have for labels who are dealing in non vocal music, ambient music, drone, when it comes to how to promote releases to curators and blogs? Yeah. Um, I mean, the first thing I tell people, um, and I, I, I trust that people running labels are doing this, is just to build a quality catalog. Um, sure. that's, that's the thing we've been working on the longest, is just everything that we put out we think is really well made. And uh, and we put out a lot of music before anyone really listened to it, you know, like yeah. it was yeah. developing that. So I think that, and that comes back to that brand thing you mentioned, is we developed a space where people knew where to find us. And so I think it can take time to promote something of the sort. I, I really think it took us two or three years to start really connecting with a larger fan base. And uh, when people started interacting with us more and more, like they'd find like, oh, okay, there's also some really cool stuff back here from, from artists that we don't know. Right. Um, and then uh, a big part of that too was actually like interfacing directly with fans. And so going and finding, it's really hard on the internet. I've heard you talk on other episodes about how the platforms keep changing, you know, mm -hmm. how we can't rely on sure. Spotify forever. Um, and it's it's frustrating, like we built a, you know, we have 10 plus thousand followers on SoundCloud and that platform is not the same platform anymore. But wow. uh, I would say first and foremost, like take the music directly to the people who care about it um, right. and have them vouch for you. And that makes sense. So sure, that includes like blogs and uh, radio stations, podcasts. Like we we do a lot of emailing to people directly in the genre, uh, and then in cross genres as well. Okay, 
Yeah. And 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 have you had any success with traditional sites like Stereo Gum or Pitchfork? Have you have in the in the in the in the the places that normally focus on indie rock? Ha, have you had anything kind of crossover? Had a couple little things, uh, you know, like Exclaim has has done stuff for us. Sure, uh, we've had a few. Had something in Pop Matters. Had something in Clash. Oh, that's cool. Uh, like a couple of the UK ones. Yeah. Um, and I'd say like our biggest. Um, our biggest kind of crossovers are on K- KXB and BBC, like, you know, more on the radio. Front. Right, 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 right. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then in, uh, in, and then of course, like, we're in a world where sync is big as well. So that's, um, I'd say our biggest exposures end up being through those types of things as well, through placements. And, well, that's really cool. And so that's something you've been focusing on? That is something that um, kind of along this line of building a strong catalog is, is something that, We've been pursued by other folks. Like very early on, we we've had a lot of uh, sync agencies write to us and and see if they can rep our music. And we've yeah. had mixed success with different yeah. agencies. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, we we've you know had music for loads of you know ballets and events and things like that. And then we've landed some some big advertisements and trailers and some Netflix shows. Like it's uh, that's great. Um, it definitely like always something we hope more of can happen because that is just like a really great direct benefit for an artist. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that goes back to that enabling thing where, you know, their, their active fans may have no idea that they were used in a documentary or something, but that, that money enables their next release or, or a special package or something. Yeah, totally. And I'd say for an artist, like, yeah, if we can somehow land them something that pays for even like a couple months rent or, you know, buys the new piece of equipment they need for the new record, uh, like that's yeah. pretty validating. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I always think of um, income uh, when it comes to studio gear. Like I always measure things like how much will, <laughs> what piece of gear can I get with this job or this placement? <laughs> it's, yeah. It's a very unhealthy way to live. Yeah, and I fall prey to that too. Or fall prey is maybe a strange way of saying it. Uh, I I would say that I, that has factored into my decision making as well at times. Like, will this? Uh, but I mean, you know, there's part of that that's our own personal enjoyment, and part of it is actually going to contribute to the work too. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I. That is true. I, I, I usually use that as an excuse as often as possible. But it is true. It is. Yeah. I, I, over the years, I think, wow, you know what that. $2,000 microphone or that $1,000 synth has, has actually earned its keep over the past two years. So, um, but yeah, I haven't eaten in two years, but still, synth sounds great. It's <laughs> a balance, though. And I mean, I I always tell people, uh, I mean, I ran a graphic design firm parallel to this for a long time, and I purchased a camera that just changed my life, that I... Um, I just took pictures like I cared about taking photos in a super different way. And then I took photos at events and uh, for graphic design for mm. years. And, you know, a tool can definitely open up a lot of possibilities. Yeah. Yo, you're absolutely right. So you're a graphic designer. That's very interesting because I wanted to ask you about the visuals on your website and, and the label and the, and the album artwork. And and I, I, maybe I'm biased, but I think that ambient music and electronic music often do a great job at pairing album artwork with music. Certainly, um, when it comes to minimal music, I, I, I definitely find it absurd when uh, when there's minimal music and it's not minimal artwork. But I think 12K, which we had talked about earlier, uh, Taylor does a great job at with, with artwork on his label. 
uh, and Geographic North, who we've had on the show, I'm a huge fan of. Uh, and, and of course, you guys as well. Talk to me about that role of artwork for your label and, and your releases. Yeah, I mean, that's something that we have a budget for in every release. Like, we really care about um, about the visual aspect of it. Like, we we really still are album people. And mm. so we're thinking of um, how the music... We're, we're thinking pretty deeply about how the music pairs. Uh, like, we do... Even before kind of Pinteresting, like we we write down like feelings and evocations and visuals that come to mind, and uh, we have a pretty thorough <laughs> exchange on that. Uh, my yeah. partner and I, um, and it's it's an interesting process with artists. Like we uh, definitely have some artists who arrive and have an artwork in mind, and it's like this is what I want. This is who I'm working with. Sure. Um, and then we also have some who like, hey, you have a great visual aesthetic. Like, can you choose something for me? And then we have, you know, I'd say most of the time it's somewhere between that. Um, and we dialogue, like we can exchange hundreds of images for an album sometimes. Like it can be a really intense process. Uh, but we're, yeah, we're, we're definitely perfectionists and we're thinking through that. And um, yeah, and, and I arrived and that was already the case. Like Evo has a very keen eye and... I do all of the, like with my graphic design background, like there are the occasional cover that I've designed or uh, or worked with something that I've kind of touched up. And mm-hmm. then uh, and then I do all the page layouting for, you know, I do all the packaging and everything. Sure, and, that's great. Um, so it's been, yeah, it's been a really fun, I don't do as much design anymore, so it's been a fun way to do that. And it's really nice to share good looking art online as well. And to, I'm sure we need to keep, like my dream is to keep increasing our budgets to pay people. Like I'm sure we could pay even more for the visual art, but it's really nice also to be able to actually license nice artwork. Yeah. I I mean, I personally think it plays a big role, especially, um, you know, when it's pressed in physical format with, with tapes and vinyl and, and and even CDs. I've seen great labels do things with CDs that look amazing. And so, uh, yeah, I think it's huge. I think it plays a role. Do the artists come to the label, um, knowing that that's part of the deal? I mean, uh, do you have kind of final approval on art? How, do, how does that relationship work? Yeah, I think it's, people tend to know now uh, what we're at. So most, almost everybody that we've worked with has has either approached us kind of saying, like, I can see that you have a really strong visual aesthetic or it's something that I, that I love and I relate to. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like we... We do, in a sense, have final approval, but we also just want to make sure the artist is happy. Sure. And so, sure. Um, I would say we're the types of people who will, um, like, even if an artist arrives with something ready, we'll st- we'll still, as devil's advocate, bring up a bunch of other possibilities. Oh, that's not. I would do the uh, same. Thing. <laughs> yeah, and we we might still settle on exactly what they're hoping for. Or, yeah. You know, like it's it's yeah. really interesting how that works out. And yeah. The goal is that no one has to compromise artistically, but of course every process is a little different yeah and that that's always a a tricky thing i think especially not every label has a creative side and i mean the fact that you know your label you are bringing a creative um preference to things i mean i guess in in a curating way they are but um most labels just say okay whatever the artist wants you know text me the photo and that'll be your your album cover um I I have you know I do see sometimes when conflict comes up whenever the label has a has creative expectations. Right. Yeah. And I mean we're definitely people who um, you know we're going to have hard conversations because we really we do have something going on. We uh, and your fans have an expectation. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's that as well. Like there's a quality and a mm-hmm. look and um and actually I think the thing we haven't done yet, I'm just trying to think if oh, I think this happened once actually in a single is we um have effectively not had like photos of the artist on um you know, you were talking about Instagram, uh, how we how we do bring out kind of the present the artist, but we do definitely prefer that the artwork is also like an artistic sure. statement. Yeah, yeah. I should ask Taylor about this at 12K because they have been doing, uh, more so in the last three years, they've been doing a, a very, like a singular format, design format to all of their releases that I love. I think it's great. But I, I just wonder, um, I, I assume artists are just grateful to be on his label so that they'll, they'll do whatever yeah. he says. <laughs> but, I mean, it's such a great label. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I've always wondered how that conversation goes if if an artist comes in and has their own idea. Yeah, and I mean, we're definitely flexible, and it's the same that you know we work with artists on music differently. Like we receive some albums that are, you know, finished from start to start to back, and there are artists with whom we work on, you know, like we give feedback on their demos and things like that. Yeah, I, that's interesting. With artwork. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So you are involved in in production a little bit. Yeah, I mean, in the sense that um, yeah, there are some artists that uh, that we sign who are totally just like in the, the starting phases of a record, and they mm. some of them want a lot of feedback, and we'll say like we've we've had some records where we get twenty tracks, and we uh, we give them feedback on the demos, and then we hear it at, at a next phase, and then we choose the you know the eleven or twelve tracks that make the record, and um, and then yeah, on the on the kind of end thing as well, like we'll also just give feedback on, um, even if we have received like a final record or pretty close to final record, like we do give some feedback on mixes, um, you know, and we definitely, it's always the artist's final call on something like that. Um, but yeah, we're again, like Evo is the biggest music fan I know and he uh-huh. listens with crazy detail. And so uh, it can be even just little things like I, you know, I noticed a little bit of noise here. Was that intentional? Like, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, that That's great. Thing. I noticed, uh, I remember, uh, uh, maybe last year or the year before, maybe 2019, you were doing like a single series. Is is that right? Was that like a summer thing that you were doing? Yeah, yeah, we've done that a couple times actually. And that is often with artists who aren't necessarily roster artists. Is that correct? Yeah, I'd say about half and half. Okay. And so yeah. what's that relationship like? I mean, you guys have a great thing going on. So I imagine people are... Uh, you know, game to to join you, but but often you know you're reaching out to to some pretty big artists, established artists. That that must be kind of a fun process. Yeah, totally. And part of that is like again, we're largely a um, we're we're largely discovering people. Like that. I'd say that's a large part of of what we do. And of course, now that we've been discovering people, we're kind of growing with them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, yeah, it is also as music fans in the genre, um, it's been really nice to be able to reach out to some folks that we. We're huge fans of, and to say like, "Hey, are you interested in doing something together?" Maybe you have a commitment elsewhere, and like, we just love your work, and and would you do a track with us? And uh, and then an, another side of that as well is that we receive, um, I'd say we receive a demo a day right now. Like it's uh, wow, it's a pretty like the genre is exploded. Yeah, um, and part of that too is uh, you know it's it's hard to say no all the time um, because. We're and we listen to everything. Yeah, um, like we're we're huge fans, and so sometimes it's like, hey, we, you know, we're booked up for the year, but we maybe this could be a possibility. Like maybe we could do a track, and 
Um, or maybe like we love what you're doing. This whole album isn't a fit for us, but or you know this whole collection isn't a fit for us. So, um, but we really like this track, and we could try to fit it in somewhere. Oh, um, that's really cool. And so sometimes you'll just do a single release, and is that with a little bit more of a, a Spotify focus as opposed to like a Bandcamp focus? Yeah, I mean, we still put it. We still put everything out on Bandcamp. Like, yeah, yeah. But I mean, Bandcamp has been. We've been with them since the beginning, and mm -hmm. they've been really, really great to us. And so, yeah, we're always putting stuff together for our fans directly in Bandcamp. And usually, like sometimes there'll be standalones, but usually we'll think of them as a curated series. So, you know, we've done the summer single series, and we do a collection for Piano Day every year. Right. Um, so we'll, yeah, we'll usually slot them in there if it's just a one-off. Um, but it's something we're really struggling with right now is that we still want to put out six or seven records a year so that each record has like a really good shot at things and sure. we, we really work them hard but we also have so much more music coming in that that we love and we're really reticent to overload like you know if we put yeah. something out we yeah. want to put care into it right so. yeah that's smart yeah i mean i've been in that position where you know not having the ability or the the guts to say no and then and then you know you're you just release something and you're now three weeks away from the next thing coming out when you really should be continuing to, to, to promote that previous record. So that's uh, very, very wise of you to, to kind of keep the calendar a little spread out. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, because of streaming, like we're getting a lot of advice not to. It's been really interesting to, to really actively be choosing not to do this. Um, right, oh, like streaming is kind of calling for more, more and more quicker. Yeah, I mean, we I we have some we have some competitors that put out you know five six artists a week and just you know hope stuff lands. And, right. Uh, and we we received like we had someone consulted with us at some point who was like, yeah, just like throw a bunch of stuff out at the world, you know, and just see what lands. And we just like don't, we don't want to do that. Yeah. We trust like our fans care about what we're doing. We're not just gonna yeah put out a ton of music all the time. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that's that's good. Um, I have a bone to pick with you and with Bandcamp, and I don't oh, sure. think it's your fault. I think it's Bandcamp's fault. But I always hate whenever I get these emails from from you guys from Bandcamp all the time, and I love them. I always love them. And but it's like for a pre order, and it's like months away from the release or a month away for whatever. And then like, of course, I could. I could buy it right then and there. You know, that is always an option. And then it would be added to my library on release day. But I always hate this, that Bandcamp doesn't give you a way to get an alert on release day as well. Yeah. Like when you publish an album on Bandcamp as a label, then it sends that email out to everyone. But if you publish it as a pre-order, it sends it as a pre-order. And then it doesn't get sent again on release day, as far as I know, at time of recording. Yeah, and I, I have we've received some similar feedback to that as well, and we've sent some direct emails in. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I think as I, th I think it was uh, John from Asthmatic Kitty that I heard uh, you talking to on this podcast as well said something along the lines of like it's not a perfect system, right? But, but we do think they're. I do love what they're doing. You know, oh, I, do think I love the them too. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm not. Say, uh, I'm never speak ill of them. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I get it. I mean, uh, yeah, there's, and, and that's the thing for us that we think about too is like, how are we communicating with our fans? And like, it's a bummer on release day if you're not getting a, right. a notification of yeah. like, hey, you got this email a month ago, but like, it's not, you know, like, hey, it's like it's out now and now yeah. you can listen to it. I um, mean, but yeah. you know what? I think your music lives on so much that, that when 
you know, if I I follow a lot of your artists on Spotify, even though I don't even use Spotify as my primary listening device, but I I follow them there oh, just thanks. so that I I I get those you know oh so and so that I enjoyed their previous EP is now releasing something again. So I think it's a testament to to your, the quality of these records is that even if I'm three months late or three weeks late or three years late, um, as as I was with the the first Jacob David record, which is one of my favorite records of all time it is an oh, insanely good record judith is i mean it's just insane and that is a record that i originally listened to passively and then now i listen to like insanely actively like you know singing along with the parts in a way you know what oh, i mean that's really cool yeah and he'll be happy to hear that um i mean and that's a that also speaks to how the industry works you know uh is that we put that record out in 2015 mm. and it got picked up on Spotify playlists in 2018. Wow. And so um, wow. I think a lot of people discovered it later. And I mean, we, for for the whole time that it was out, we were like, Jacob put out some more music. Like, this is stunning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and he, he, everyone has a different process and he was, you know, just thinking through what he wanted to work on and, and wasn't sure what was really working. And, uh, and so I would say what's been interesting about that more passive discovery is that, um, he has gotten more feedback from people. Like even if people are discovering it passively now, like there are also, you know, one in a hundred people engage more actively. And so he's yes. he's yes. gotten a lot more direct feedback from people. And I think that has been really positive for him. Well, and you're right in that that one percent stat is is probably pretty accurate. I mean, it's you know, um uh, there's uh, there's a couple playlists in a couple genres that I I use on Spotify in that utilitarian way and I, I but there are times where something just catches my ear and I have to kind of click through and find out what that is and so you're right I, I, and I've seen that on our label as well where where you might get thousands of, of streams a day but a couple of those people will actually hit pause and say who is this person and go to Instagram yeah. and say hey I found you yeah totally and in putting together like we now have a an you know we have a playlist that we curate as well because we're listening to so much music and uh, and there are a few of those that as we're putting it together that uh, it might be someone that I know or don't know but it might be a track that I've, I'm just discovering and I honestly like there's a couple tracks we put on that playlist that I'm obsessed with that I <laughs> you know like uh, that I think because of that medium I probably I wouldn't have uh, interacted so deeply with their piece if it wasn't through this uh, this application which is more passive in nature yes um, so yeah yeah, it's really interesting, and I've written some people to say like, "Hey, I, I, I put your track on our playlist, and like, I'm just obsessed." With yeah, it. Like, I, yeah, you know. I do the same. I I try to tweet out people um, with this Jacob David record and and Chad Lawson stuff as well. When when you find these oh, nice. these records, it's like I need to just tell this person just in case they don't get told enough, you know? Yeah, and that's a good reminder. Like that's, and I mean, I we're talking about you know streaming as being passive. I also. Think that we've seen in the last ten years, social media become a lot more passive, mm. uh, and we forget sometimes that people really th like. Some people work on the records for years. Some people it, it might emerge quicker, but the amount of feedback that we get, uh, you know, in relation to how much time we've put into something, is usually pretty small. <laughs> sure. And so I would think that those gestures, like anytime I've received them, anytime someone writes us directly, I respond to every email we get. You know, like that's great. Um, there might be, you know, sometimes I'm busy and it takes me a while or, sure. or something falls through, but it's really nice for an artist to, yeah, for you to tweet them out and tell them that. Do you know if, I mean, it, someone like Jacob David is is um, 
you know, much loved by the Spotify gods, as you can see on his profile. And do you know if someone like that, um, and I'm asking you to speak on, on behalf of the artist, but, and you don't, you don't have to, if you don't want to, but do you know if, if someone like that would be tempted to write music for this medium to, to, to say, this is spot, this is, you know, playlist friendly? Yeah, I mean, yeah, to be super frank, it's something we talk about a lot with with artists. Um, and what we tend to tell people is is what we talked about a little bit earlier, is like, just write the best piece, you know, mm. and, and put it out if you think it's the best piece. And yeah, like, Jacob is definitely someone who is just writing a lot of music and a lot of really, really well-crafted and beautiful music. And usually it will come down to the strategy once the piece is done or once. Oh, that's um, great is kind of like, okay, what is this going to fit on? Is this a, an album track? Is this something that's going to fit on your next record? Or is this something that um, that you're psyched about putting out? And if so, who who's the audience for this? So we're talking about it more at that level of like, what's the best way and time to put something out? That's awesome. This has been so fun to talk with you. I have I have a couple more things um, that I'd, I'd like to leave off for our patrons, uh, patrons, if that's cool with you. But <laughs> th- thank you so much for uh, for doing this. It's been such an honor to talk with you. I absolutely adore your label. Thanks, Scott. I, I mean, it's really awesome. I'm glad you reached out, and it's been great to discover and dive into what you've been doing. There are so few places where we can dive into the world of labels and you have interviewed so many labels that i love and so oh that's great like a list now (laughs) that i've been going through awesome and thank you all for listening if you want to hear the rest of my interview with nick go to patreon.com slash other record labels where we talk a little bit further and we of course we play our game that we play with all of our guests and you can hear all of those bonus episodes by becoming a patron and please think about it go to patreon.com slash other record labels Thank you so much for listening. Uh, To find out more about this incredible record label, go to modernarecords.com. They're also on Bandcamp. You can just search Moderna. And I hope that you've really enjoyed this episode. Thanks so much for being a listener.